Welcome to the Defiant Business Podcast. A business podcast produced by Defy the Status Quo for forward-thinking businesses and savvy professionals looking to defy the status quo of mediocre customer experiences, barely surviving businesses, and haphazard business development. We'll explore best marketing and sales practices, improving business processes, attracting your ideal clients or customers, striking your perfect work-life balance, business basics, intentional inclusion in business, and so much more. Thank you for joining me today. Let's do this. Okay, today, Ashley and I are going to talk about something that we very much have in common, and it's becoming a topic that is more and more prevalent in conversations, even business conversations, where we tend to avoid anything that'll make someone uncomfortable, right? So today, we're going to talk about being at the intersection of woman and minority. And this is a really important topic, and I think Ashley is a great person to talk to about it because some of the best numbers we have in terms of being an entrepreneur who's both a woman and a minority, some of the best numbers we have tie to things like funding, which Ashley has been successful at getting for her business. But I was just doing a a blog post on this. So of the like $40 billion in venture capital funds that were invested, I believe in 2018 or 19, only 3% went to minorities, only 3%. And then less than 2% went to women. But if you were in that intersection of woman and let's say black, then it was 0.2%. So we, we have to remember that these intersections can actually further remove us away from the resources and things that we need to make. Making it like you have, Ashley, to five years is, is unheard of when you think about the struggles that you know, women of color who are also entrepreneurs experience. And part of the reason their businesses struggle to survive is lack of access to capital. So I wanted to ask you uh, kind of, I wanted to look at it in from both angles, right? Your challenges that you've experienced as a, a minority business owner, and then the challenges that you've experienced because you're a woman. And then of course, I'd love to talk about anything that you feel kind of hits you double you know, because you're a woman and a minority. But let's go ahead and start with the struggles that you think you, or that you know you've run into that were influenced because you're a black or a black person. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. I mean, I don't know if this is necessarily hugely, well, I guess, no, it is. So it, it's funny to me sometimes when I walk into a meeting or I go to a meeting and, you know, if they're not familiar, I mean, they, you know, they've heard the company or whatever else or, or heard of, you know, they know the, the situation for the meeting. But then they will be like, so, so the founder, who is that? And I mean, I'm like, me, you know, and it, and it's, and it's not like the, the way that it is, you know, that what they're getting at. Right. And it, that is so, it's kind of disheartening to me, but it's also like a way to showcase that, you know, I know you might have these pre notions about what a founder of like a tech company could look like, but hello, my name is Ashley Williams. And I'm here to prove you today that that is not the case. Like they should have looked you up on LinkedIn or something. Yeah, more than me or something. It just, it just, it's, it's very sad in that sense. And I also think the problem um, going into this whole thing with entrepreneurship is, especially in today's age, all these different things, you know, it's not like there was many, unfortunately, unfortunately, because there's an, another whole um, opportunity for people of color 
but there's not, it just is what it, there's not many cases of people of color being successful entrepreneurs in that sense, right? I mean, I guess that it's statistically just, just true because many times we don't have the resources. We don't have the people within our network, within our communities who have been successful entrepreneurs. I can't, you, or can't, you can't necessarily see people who look like you, who have been on that path, who can tell you these are the X, Y, B, Z things that you need to do. So it almost, in a sense, kind of takes longer because you don't even necessarily even have a roadmap. And then many times, because of not having that network, if there are opportunities, maybe you may not be able to get into those opportunities because you don't know the people who are um, connected with those opportunities to be able to get your foot in the door. So you're just trying to even get into the part of getting a meeting with them to say, hey, look at me, let me in. And, but there's already you know, so many people in front of you who they already have a relationship with, who they already know. So then that takes years in the process of building. Then it takes years in the process of understanding even the roadmap of building the company. So then you're already kind of behind because one, you don't have the network. Two, you don't really know what resources or resources that you need to have. And then three, there's no one um, within your network who can even give you mentorship and details of understanding what it is that you even need to do. I mean, it just, it breaks my heart almost in a sense. I don't want to get teary-eyed, but it just angers me. It, it's just so many things that I could say regarding this. I'm only getting a little teary-eyed because I'm going to try to stop. But it, it just makes me so mad because there's so many young people who could have so many more opportunities if they had access to all these things from the get-go. So honestly, with my company, it's not even that I have to be successful just to be, to be able to be in abundance for myself and uh, for my fam- my future family, I mean, or right now my future kids, et cetera. But it's also because I am hell-bent on becoming an investor and a person within our world who can fund companies and people like me because I've been in your shoes and I know exactly at almost every single stage of what you're experiencing. So I've, I know what you're feeling. And even if you don't want to tell me, I get it. You know, and I think that is part of the problem. So I think if those things were to change, we would have so many more people of color creating so many more things and innovations in our world because we really need those people too. Because many times the other people who are not of color, not to shame them or anything, but they may not have had those experiences to know this type of business needs to be created. This something needs to be created, whatever that thing could be. So I think it's, it's, it's important. And for all of us who have had these opportunities or who have I'm, I'm hoping that God willing, I make it that I can be able to give back. So. Oh, well, I, you know what? Like, I, I feel like you definitely will. So the, when you were talking about that and the more that it, the emotion came into your voice, I'm actually still having them, but I'm having like tingles. Thank you. Like I'm getting goosebumps and I'm all the way over here. We're not even that close <laughs> to each other. Like I've got goosebumps all over my legs. And I think <laughs> yeah. that's a sign when you have, when you have that sort of fire, it's, it's not the type of fire that, that people can put out. I think that that'll be something that you are working for no matter what, no matter what form it takes on, even if the dream changes and it looks different, it's not something that you will abandon. I think that that is something I hope, I hope you love it forever because I think you're stuck with it. <laughs> but I will say that I think as, as somebody at that intersection with you between women and minority, I would much rather be the only woman in the room mm-hmm. than be the only brown person in the yes. room. I find it to be way more uncomfortable when mm-hmm. I am the only brown person. Yes. I was in the army, so I'm accustomed to walking into places and they're not being women, whatever, but to be the only brown person I think is, is more disconcerting for yeah. me. I've, you know, being at events and, and things like that, like you're saying. So totally. that's, yeah, the, 
the resources. And yeah, I understand that as well. (laughs) But speaking of, speaking of, you know, preferring to walk into the room and be the only woman, but are there any struggles that you think you've had because you're a woman? I think sometimes there, um, and it is hard to untangle them, right? Because that's you, it's just, it's, that's who you are. You are a black woman business owner. It is hard to untangle them. Yes. And in some sense, I mean, it, I feel like that maybe part of it is that you're kind of like underestimated in a sense, or that people think, oh, you're just going to be just so sweet and polite. And now listen, I can't be very sweet and polite, don't get me wrong. But when we're talking about business, and if you're, to me, my business is my baby, even though I don't have any children, but when I do, I'll approach it the same way. And so if you're going to harm my baby, or if you're going to be in some way, you know, yeah, just harmful in any capacity, I'm, I'm going to come at like in the sense of being, I'm going to bring it towards you, you know, and I'm also going to be very gun ho and determined and, wo- and like woke in that sense. And I think sometimes being women, it could be, we're underestimated in that regard. I also think because we can be, you know, emotional or empathetic in that regard, it kind of can be like, you know, poo-pooed or whatever. And I'm just like, that's such a beautiful thing to have though, because imagine all the different connections, enlightenment that you can provide, empowerment, you can provide to people from being having empathy. And so I think sometimes people can not appreciate those things, those women qualities that we have when, and statistically studies have shown that we actually produce more revenue and all these other things, better things and for the world because of those qualities that we have. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, especially looking at the the business to business space, for whatever reason, I think that a lot of people expect women business owners to be in the business to consumer space and sell, you know, woman things like makeup or clothes and nothing against that, of course, obviously. But (laughs) if that's not the path that I've chosen, right it doesn't mean you should look at me like I have something on my face that's not supposed to be there. Right. Or that I'm incapable or that I don't know what I'm up against or blah, blah, blah. So I mean, those are tough enough. Yes. And that one, Oh, that one. You sure you've got a thick enough skin for this? Mm -hmm. You got the gumption, like, excuse me. Do you know who I am? (laughs) You know, that is exactly what happens in my head. And so, I normally like to slide in. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, you know, I understand that this could be pretty hard, but it probably can't be harder than like a 12 month deployment to <laughs> Afghanistan, right? Like <laughs> that's me. Like I, I, I will throw it down every time. No, I think we need to, I really do for people to take us more seriously and that, you know, I, in a tactful way, cause I'm not the one to be like, go off on someone unless like it's absolutely, absolutely necessary. Yes. I like to be tactful and polite, but yes, I totally agree with you. So like I mentioned at the start of this episode, you've actually gotten funding for your business. And that, first of all, is huge. I remember AJ mentioned it to me and I was like, wait, she did what? She did what now? And so I'm curious what that process was like for you. And I'm wondering also, like you kind of talked about a little bit with like having the network and everything, but is there anything that we can highlight for other women or minority business owners out there? Yeah, I think, the, again, the problem is that most of us, from what I can see, we don't understand the whole process to what it takes to raise money. Like, not even just attraction part of behind it, like how you, but how do you even go about being investor ready? I mean, that's a, a whole other ball game of like having your data room together, knowing what to include in your data room, 
your financial modeling, your financial projection, what to include in a pitch deck, what should a pitch deck look like? I mean, there's so many of these steps. And I felt like for a moment, I, it was almost like trying to see the forest from the trees for so long because I was led in one way from some people then led in another way. Thankfully, I did end up um, connecting with an organization in Michigan, which I will give total props to you, New Enterprise Forum, which was super helpful for me with getting my pitch deck together. And they were like these coaches that I met with every month that really critiqued my pitch deck, were really just kind-hearted people who volunteered and just really helped me to just get that infrastructure together for me to be investor ready. Now, granted, partly to be able to get ready to even meet with them, I still had to get all these kind of things together with a little bit understanding of my business model, getting some traction, enough traction where I could at least peak an investor's interest as even we still continue to grow throughout the program. And then on that angle, then it was just like, okay, well, once I started kind of connecting with investors, it's like, so what do you say in an investor meeting? Then knowing all of these things of how do you approach an investor meeting? How do you get to closing the deal? How do you know what to say to get them to like, make a decision or to hopefully get to a decision so that you can either move on or continue the conversation. And I mean, honestly, like <laughs> from the beginning of the bazaar, like I started trying to raise money and not even knowing what that whole process looked like. My looking back, my pitch deck was a hot mess. The financial modeling was a hot, everything was just a hot mess, you know? And then also too, even with the resources. So we ended up also working with different like firms to help with different things like for financial modeling, even with having the different team members that I have, but I wanted to make sure like we were really well put together. I, I know what I kind of, I'm kind of doing, or at least the credibility behind having these individuals help me with getting there so that it's put together and buttoned up, et cetera. But that takes money too, right? Getting these firms to help you pay for, for all these different things, then buying stuff. I mean, it's just like so many things. So I guess the one thing is for advice for these, for individuals is one, try to really connect with, um, and I know it, it might be a lot of work in this regard because we, you may not necessarily have like a community of it incubator or a program like new enterprise form in your area. But I would highly suggest to connect to someone who's in venture capital, like just try to reach out to them on LinkedIn. And yeah, you might get people who ignore you because that also it can be the case many times with some of these people, or like there's the new venture, there's like the capital associations, venture capital associations that are either there's one nationally and there's one for each state. So maybe they can also connect you to someone who is a venture capitalist who'd be willing to give you some um, feedback or tips as to what the process should be. And there's different programs and sometimes in the state, but I was really surprised you had to find out about that association that they have all these different networks. Like Michigan has one, all states I think have one. So I think from there, that'll really help you to roadmap out who you should be talking to. And then from there, it's kind of like putting the breadcrumb together, you know, but I mean, it, it was just crazy. And that's why I feel like too, that's why I'm almost getting teary eyed because I realized all of my personal struggles with trying to figure out how do I even go about this? And then as I'm in the process, it's not like everybody's telling you necessarily because they kind of, I think maybe sometimes people assume, you know, or they just don't think to tell you, but I mean, that's a whole other thing too, because then you get to a point where someone might be potentially interested, but then you're not even ready because you don't even have all the stuff together that you need to have together. So it's like, oh my gosh. Anyway, so I digress. It's okay. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it just sounds like there are a lot of knowledge barriers right. where, huh? I was going to say too, sorry. And get, get, going off of the knowledge barriers, just as an add-on, here's the thing. So if I'm not necessarily, I mean, I think this could be the case for many people who are not people of color, right? You already have the network. You already have 
like people around you who can give you this information, like from the get go. And you might even be able to get money upfront to be able to get all this stuff done. So as you're figuring it out, you can. For us, it's like, in many of us, I should say, it's like wobble after wobble after wobble after wobble of not even having that, right? So it's already, you're already behind because of that. And I think it's nice that all of these um, venture capitalists where people are saying they want to help black founders, but let's just go back to the basics, right? Like, first of all, help us with the business model because the thing which I was very surprised about is Detroit has the highest amount of female entrepreneurs in the city or in the country, black female entrepreneurs. I was really shocked by this. And to just prove it the fact, I had an event last year with Detroit Startup Week, which focused on millennials getting entrepreneurship. It was, I think, either the, the second highest, um, like the highest attended event at the, the, during that week, which already proved to me like, wow, there are a lot of women here either who are entrepreneurs, black women, or who want to be entrepreneurs. But we also may not necessarily have all those resources there to be able to get even the foot in the door to get started or understanding how do we even get started. So we crave this information. So even though venture capitalists are like, yes, we want to invest in your companies, but when we get to you, you tell us we're still not ready. And honestly, we maybe probably aren't because we haven't even been trained our understanding of what we need to be ready. So it's already like we're already blocked. It's like you seem frozen too. No, but I need to. <laughs> I like okay, the first well, one. <laughs> all right. So yeah, because I've, I've got all the kids, right? So I see Frozen 2. I'm pretty sure a lot of my listeners have seen Frozen 2. And there's, uh, without ruining it, there's a foggy barrier that nobody can cross. So for people who at least have the knowledge, right, who have the network and the knowledge, it's still hard work for them, right? right. So nobody's saying that it's not hard work. Exactly. Just because you know where you're going, you know how to get there, and you've got companions with you along your journey to get there, right? It's still going to be like Lord of the Rings, getting the ring into the volcano, right? You and your team, it's going to take everything you've got. But for people who don't have that, minorities, uh, women, people, people in general from like lower income communities, it's like Lord of the Rings meets that frozen two barrier. How are you going to start saving the world if there is this impenetrable barrier that you can't even cross, not to mention, even if you could cross it, you can't see where you're going. Exactly. Exactly. It just just makes you want to just cry. You see what I'm saying? It's just... Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And I'm I'm thinking about it and I've, you know, I've, I've got plans and just even thinking about it, it's just, you know, they say you got to spend money to make money. money exactly. Cool, but I don't have money. Right. <laughs> so, so, what are my options? <laughs> you know, so it's just, you know, there are tons of people with great ideas and, and they live in communities that have needs and they could fulfill those needs, but the lack of access to capital, like even just talking to somebody with resources is just so so very difficult yeah even a mentor yes even even for that and and just to know where to go for for information Mm -hmm. you know when you're trying to go beyond the google search right uh who's open to mentoring who's not another barrier to entry i think can be you know if you're if you don't have a traditional education route, i.e. if you do not go to college where you tend to meet people and make connections through sororities or fraternities or campus organizations, if you go to some of the bigger schools, I was watching an Instagram video 
and somebody, the video was talking about how important HBCUs were historically at colleges and universities for mm-hmm. those who don't know. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how important they were to help black students, you know, black adults become entrepreneurs and the types of support that those HBCUs provided. And I am not a college graduate. So I'm currently still in pursuit of my degree. So it's mm-hmm. happening. But thanks to deployment and other things, children and everything, it got delayed. But I, I didn't, I chose to join the army instead of going to college. But, and so that was my choice, granted. But even in the army, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to go to a brick and mortar school the way that traditional college students do. And so I was listening to this person talk about these HBCUs and the type of infrastructure and support that they provided. I found myself well past college age, incredibly jealous, you know, and not that everybody even has the opportunity to go to college, but even for those that do, you know, I'm over here jealous because of an Instagram video uh, because I'm like, man, infrastructure, resources, that sounds nice. <laughs> I mean, look at what all that you've done now. So, I mean, you know, a huge congrats to you. And for, we thank you for your service, too. That was nice. Well, it was my pleasure most of the time. Other times, <laughs> not so much, but most of the time. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Defiant Business Podcast. Please make sure that you've subscribed and do be sure to leave us a review if you found this episode at all helpful. And if you think it would be a great resource for someone else, be sure to share it with them. See you next time.